0: Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you every day, every minute, every second to be with us. And now we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So I was thinking, I was thinking just now as I was praying, and that's actually one of the advantages of being a professional Christian like me. You can pray and be thinking about something else at the same time. It takes a lot of talent. I wouldn't recommend trying it. But in a few years, you know, when you're advanced enough, um, one of the things that I was just thinking about while I was praying is that it's interesting that I pray every week that... We ask the Lord to be here with us, and we trust that he's here. But do we? Do you always trust that the Lord is one who keeps his promises? We sort of believe that he must be like that, because otherwise what good would he be? But do we really operate in our lives as though the promises of God are going to be kept? And even if we believed it, why would we? On what do we base our trust that God is a God who keeps his promises? Well, we sort of trust that we have a relationship with him, right? That, that, that we're close. That he'll be there when he says he will. That, that we have something that, that keeps us together. I was thinking about this um, relationship this week, and I thought, you know, it's so sort of Expected to talk about Jesus on Easter. So I'm not going to do that. That's a lie. I'm totally going to do that. But I'm not going to start out that way. I'd rather talk about Cliff Clavin for a moment. Um, Cliff Clavin, you may know, is the postal worker from Cheers, the sort of frumpy guy played by John Ratzenberger. I've talked about Cliff Clavin in sermons before. He's sort of, it's like right after Jesus. It goes, Jesus Cliff, Clave, and St. Paul for me. Um, but I want to talk about a particular episode of the great sitcom, Frasier. If you haven't seen Frasier, I want you, the moment our service ends this morning, we say, Alleluia, Alleluia, I want you to go right out and start watching Frasier. There's one episode in particular that I want to talk about this morning called, The One Where Sam Comes Back. And as you may know, Frazier was also a stalwart on Cheers, and then he moved to Seattle to sort of start his own TV show. And in one of the early season episodes of Frazier, Sam, the owner of Cheers, played by Ted Danson, comes to visit Frazier in Seattle. And we realize in the episode that he's actually run away from the altar. He's engaged, he was um, planning on getting. Married And has gotten cold feet at the last moment Which if you know Sam from Cheers You know that that's right up his alley Getting cold feet from getting married And so he, he comes to Fraser, His psychologist friend To help him, for help And Fraser is able to get Sam and his fiancée together And he discovers sort of what is at the core Of their fear about getting married and it turns out that they're each having affairs. <laughs> Neither one is faithful to the other. And of course, they're not sure that they want to get married. And Fraser says, well, honesty is the key to any healthy relationship. If you can't be honest with each other, then there's no point in any of this. Do you love each other? And they say that they do. And he says, then you must be honest with each other. And they each then confess... Their affairs to each other, and it looks like they're going to be on strong footing once again. Until Sam's fiance says, "Well, I have one more," and Sam says, "Well, you know, okay, um, all about honesty here. Who is it?" And she says, "Well, it's embarrassing. It's someone from Cheers." And Sam says, "You know, that's." It's okay, I want to be honest, I want to have a, a strong relationship, who is it? And his fiance says, well, it's Cliff. And she sort of slumps her shoulders. I slept with Cliff. And clearly this is over the line. Sam is mortified. How can he be in love with a woman who thinks that it's acceptable to sleep with someone like Cliff? Cliff, he says, Cliff? Really? Cliff? And it turns out that Cliff is a bridge too far. Cliff is the straw that breaks the camel's back. Sam cannot be with a woman who has been with Cliff. Cliff is just too far. She has crossed the line, and there is no going back. Cliff. I want to talk about another relationship this morning. This is where I transition to talking about Jesus. I know it's expected and hackneyed, but you know what? Jesus. I want to talk about another relationship this morning, the relationship between Jesus and one of his closest friends on earth, Peter. We actually heard him referred to in two of our readings this morning. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians calls him by his original name Cephas, and then he is specifically named in our reading from the Gospel of Mark. Go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Peter and Jesus have a sort of soap operatic relationship, right? Hot and cold, yelling and screaming. Uh, we, We even have somebody raised from the dead. Total soap opera here. The first time Peter meets Jesus, he's out in a fishing boat working. He is a fisherman. And he's not having much luck. He's not catching any fish. And so Jesus, I guess who's sort of on the shore, calls out to Peter and his friends. He says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And I can only imagine what Peter must have thought. Like, does this guy think I'm an idiot? Like, I'm a fisherman, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference between the amount of fish on this side of my boat and sort of 15 feet over here. But he obliges. He, he casts his net on the other side. And as the story says, the nets become so full of fish that the boat is about to sink. They're having trouble even returning to the shore. And so from their first meeting, Peter knows that there's something special going on with this Jesus character. And when he gets onto shore, sort of finally makes it back with this incredible load of fish, his first words to Jesus are, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. These are Peter's first words. Not, you know, Hey, that was a good other side of the boat trick. Or, thanks for all the fish, that's going to help with the rent this month. Depart from me, For I am a sinful man. He knows that Jesus is something special. He knows that he's not. Sort of like that scene in Rudy, where Rudy goes to the priest and sort of wants to know why life is the way it is. And the priest says, Son, I only know two things. One, there is a God. And two, I'm not him. At this moment, this is all Peter knows. He is in the presence of God and he is not him. Depart from me for I am a sinful man. A little while later, Peter is again on a boat and Jesus comes not calling from the shore this time but actually walking out to the boat on the water. And Peter has the stones to jump out of the boat and go to Jesus on the water too. He's got such faith that he jumps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. But as soon as he realizes what he's doing, two or three steps into it, he starts to sink and Jesus saves his life. So, we already have a bit of a roller coaster ride. We get the sort of faithful proclamation depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And the faithful leap out of the boat onto the water, but then the faithless sinking. And then, soon enough, when Jesus starts talking about what it is he's going to have to do, that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem. Be turned over to human authorities. Be arrested, tried, convicted, and crucified. Peter says, not on my watch. The scriptures say that Peter rebuked Jesus. As in, you're wrong. Stop talking that way. This will never happen to you while I'm around. And Jesus turns right back around and rebukes Peter saying, "Get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on heavenly things but on earthly things." So again, we have a another this is sort of the low point of the roller coaster ride. "Get behind me, Satan." But then, only a paragraph later, Peter correctly identifies Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen one. And Jesus says to Peter, you know what? I'm going to change your name. You're going to go from Cephas to Peter, which means the rock. You're going to be the rock upon which I build my church. You, who were 25 seconds ago so faithless that I called you Satan, you are going to be the rock upon which I build my church. And then we get to Maundy Thursday, the Last Supper, where Jesus again is talking about what has to happen. And He says to His gathered friends, You're all going to abandon Me. In My hour of need, none of you will be there for Me. And Peter says, Not Me. He says, Even if I have to die with you, I will never leave you. And Jesus says, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times tonight. This is not a promise you're going to forget about and break accidentally. You're going to deny me tonight. And Peter says, no, I will not. What a relationship. This is uh, crazier than Ross and Rachel. Good. There's still some uh, friends' memory going on here. I was worried about that one. Tonight, this morning is Easter morning. We have bright sunlight, three women with spices, and an empty tomb, and a young man inside the tomb with a message. He says, "You're looking for Jesus. He's not here. He's crucified." And then he gives the women a message to go back to give to the disciples. This has got to be the most important message in the history of the world, right? We have an empty tomb, a risen Christ, and a message. What's it going to be? Is it going to be instructions about where to take the revolution next? Is it going to be you know, how to live your life now in honor of the risen Jesus? Is it going to be you know what to get for the party we're going to have what is the content of this message that the young man has for the women he says go tell his disciples and peter that he is going ahead of you to galilee there you will see him just as he told you what kind of message is that it's he's saying He tells them something and then he says, this is going to happen just as Jesus already told you. He's giving the women a message to give to the disciples, a message that the disciples already have. Jesus told them that he was going to be raised from the dead. He told them that he was going to go ahead of them into Galilee and that they would see him there. But nobody believed him. When the women went to the tomb, they were carrying spices to anoint a corpse. They weren't expecting to find that stone rolled away. No one was. Can you imagine Peter, of all people, his first reaction upon hearing the women come back and saying, Hey, the tomb is empty, Jesus has been raised. Remember the classic Angels song from 1963? My boyfriend's back and you're going to be in trouble. Hey, La, hey, La, my boyfriend's back. That's about as well as I can do. I'm going to stop right there. Quit while you're ahead. Jesus is back and you all abandoned him. What's he going to do now? The angels sing, my boyfriend's back, he's going to save my reputation. If I were you, I'd take a permanent vacation. The disciples must have been feeling just like this. Oh no, we blew it. And especially Peter. This is Peter's cliff moment, right? Peter has now crossed the line. It was one thing to sink in the water, it was another thing to rebuke Jesus when he said he had to be crucified. But this denial of his best friend in his hour of need is over the line. Surely he has ruined everything this time. My boyfriend's back and you're going to be in trouble. But the young man has given the three women the most important message in the history of the world. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. He singles out Peter, the denier, the rebuker, the faithless, and he says, Jesus is keeping his promise even as you break yours and this is the most important message in the history of the world Jesus Christ keeps his promises even as we break ours he is faithful When we are faithless. He is righteous. When we are sinful. He is strong when we are weak. He is everything that we are not. And yet, he remains in relationship with us. When Peter must have thought that he had done everything to ruin this relationship, Jesus left a message for him. Tell Peter that I'll be there for Him, just like I said I would. And the message holds true today for each one of us when we feel that we have ruined everything. Jesus says, I will be there for you, just like I promised. We each have cliff moments, daily Hourly, by the minute, where we feel sure we've ruined everything. But Jesus has left us a message. He says, I'm back. I love you. And I'm not going anywhere. Amen.